You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. We go out there and rent these films. And this is one that I remember so much from my childhood, from seeing it in the theater and renting it. So, Matt, tell the listeners what is number three in our Orion month. We are taking it to maybe Orion's, one of Orion's most famous franchises. We're taking a look at the second film in the RoboCop series, RoboCop 2. About a year ago, we gave this city RoboCop. Ready for duty, partner? Nothing I'd rather do. I think he's worked out pretty well. Have a seat. This is a bust. But things have become a little rougher out there. This unit needs millions of dollars in parts. You see, Robocop's off warranty. He's one of mine. I want him back on his feet. I believe that Murphy's case was unusual, but not unique. We can find someone else. Someone to whom the prospect might even be desirable. And now, we need a law enforcement unit capable of meeting the enemy on his own ground. She's screaming psychotic, sir. We aren't planning to build a toy. I'm carrying enough firepower to get the job done. I got good news for you. You're going to have a chance for immortality. With great pleasure, I give you RoboCop 2. Ah, uh, yes. Things will be a lot quieter with this boy around. That thing is a killer! Let's step outside. You! You're obsolete! Take it over, creep. Very plain title, RoboCop 2, no no subtitle. They find a way, though, to make it clever, I feel like, with the villain character being called RoboCop yeah. 2, which makes total sense. So I, I think that's, I'm glad they did that. If they're not going to have it have like a clever, fun title, at least they have the villain named RoboCop 2, and it makes sense within the confines of the story. Yeah, I... Honestly, did not really pick up until watching the movie now for, you know, just like we're doing a light research. I am looking into like Phil Tippett's animation, and everything. And then I realized Kane's character is called RoboCop 2. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. I think I kind of picked that up maybe in college and then just it erased from my mind. I, I, you know, Ed 209 was just. Something, you know, like I, I like the name Ed 209. I, of course, love the Phil Tippett, you know, animation with it in the first movie. But I just 
Ed 209 had, maybe it's because it doesn't have a human face or anything like that. But for some reason, it stuck out more. And Kane was always on. I mean, I knew Kane from the movie. But have you ever noticed that Ed 209 is by far the more popular robotic bad guy? Yes. Yes. And every and yeah, every, like you like you just said, everybody knows Ed 209. I don't know if a lot of people even remember that Tom Noonan's character was called Robocop 2 or Kane or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting look at this film from a lot of fans. I've actually heard a few fans, you know, they're probably the same type of fan who's like the prequels from Star Wars are actually pretty good. Um, no. No, they're not. Uh, and I've heard other people like RoboCop 2 might be better than the first. And I'm just like, nope, I can't discuss this with you. I, <laughs> I respect your opinion, but I also violently disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, the first one's such a classic. I just think the first one's just one of the best movies ever. So it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be hard for any sequel to try to live up to it. I mean, that being said, I do have some positive things to say about this movie when we get into it. I also have some negative things to say. I think this movie is just, this suffers from sequelitis. They're trying to do more. Everything has to be expanded. And before you know it, you kind of just lose the vision of your hero that you built in the first one. Yeah, I agree. It, it does have that, you know, more. And it's sort of like, let's follow a lot of beats from the first one and try to recapture that, um, you know, the the bigger, better, more violent sort of mentality going into the second one. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I actually think I have a lot of good things to say about it, but there's still it's not, you know, it's not perfect. There's a lot of problems with it also. Uh, I saw this in the theater. This was after a baseball game. Um, nice. Our, my mom took us and I can tell you when the cop, I don't remember his name right now. The doofus cop. Duffy. Yeah, when Duffy gets cut up, my mom tried to take us out of the theater. And when you have three boys basically crying, I don't think we we're actually crying, but we're like, no, how can you do this? You know, so dramatic to see Robocop 2. But this was one where she's like, this is a mom fail. I can't believe I took you to this film. It is bad. Yeah, this is, I mean, this movie's super brutal. Like that key, it keeps in with the the feel of the first one but it also this one also still feels like the one that is tap dancing into like let's kind of advertise this for kids <laughs> you know like it's a, it's a weird dichotomy that's happening in the movie where it, it does feel like it's a kids movie or saturday morning cartoon but it's also like the grossest most graphic <laughs> saturday morning cartoon <laughs> they are cutting open a man's chest cavity duffy yes I, wow and it's so intimate. It's brutally intimate. It's quiet. And I think that's what's so like in a movie where it's slam, bang, boom every five minutes, like when there's like a death scene like that and there's no no real big orchestral score and not a lot of sound effects and stuff happening in the background. It's unsettling. It's like you're there. Yeah. The man's getting sliced open and just screaming. You deserve this, Duffy. Kane might have been killed. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe you ought to have the kid leave. Why? What? What do you have the kids leave? <laughs> That's a good touch. That's a good touch. Have the kid leave. <laughs> good. 
have the kid leave. Why? <laughs> Come on, it's, it's over. Come on, Kane. Come on, man. What are you doing? No. And then Kane makes the child watch Hob. I think his name is Hob. And then you're also putting probably yourself in that kid's perspective when you're seeing it as a kid. Uh, When you saw this in theaters, you're probably viewing it from his lens. So it's like, yeah, like you're in the room while something like this is happening. It's very unsettling. (laughs) Yeah, my mom refused to rent this VHS and we never owned it. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Definitely left that kind of scar on her. Um, And I'm pretty sure she had to turn away from a lot of it. And this I'm not it didn't give me bad dreams, but that when he was cut up, Duffy was cut up. That has oh, it's so jarring even now when I watch it. Uh, It's a little bit worse in my kid mind because I had so much, you know, I created my own nightmare with it. Mm -hmm. Now I look at it and I'm trying to figure out. You know, how do they do that? Did they put like just a little seam right there and the guy's cutting? I wonder how actually sharp that, you know, scalpel. Is. And then that's the kind of thoughts I have as a uh, an adult, which, you know, breaking it down for the podcast. That's how what I'm always doing. Yeah, but it is funny how your your ba- your brain when you first see it or whatever makes up makes it worse and makes it uh, more graphic or whatever. Um when you're younger because yeah, stuff like that sticks with you. And obviously this has stuck with you from when you saw it in theaters. Mm -hmm. How about you? Uh, I saw this on video when I was a kid. Uh, I saw all of them. I think the first one I saw was three and then I worked my way kind of back. But uh, I I saw this on video. I owned it for a while. I've seen this maybe five times before. I have always kind of thought it was the lesser of the three. Uh, I, I like I'm one of those crazy people that likes three, but uh, two is always just sort of OK in my head. And I'll say before we even get started here, I, I definitely like it a lot more now than I ever did before. I just saw it like five times before because, you know, when you're a kid, you just watch all of them. You know, you're on one, two, three. Why not? It's Saturday. I can. <laughs> um, so I've seen it. A bunch, but I really think I appreciate it more now than I did when I was watching it then. And I haven't seen it in like 10 years. So it's good to revisit. Yeah, I think that's a good word, appreciating it more, especially when I'm looking at the stop motion of RoboCop 2. I'm impressed. I'm like, there's a lot of good stuff in here. There's actually a lot of really good action scenes in this and set pieces and the dystopian Detroit of the future and all that. Well, future of that time which is actually this is all shot in Houston, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I really was curious when I was watching it where they shot it. Um, and then when I watched some of the bonus features on the Blu-ray, they talk about it being in Houston. And it just I, I think they kind of captured the Detroit feel really well. Yeah, it shocked me. Uh, I for the longest time, I was thinking that, too where are you shooting this? And I'm like, Cleveland? And then I was looking around, I go, maybe. And then my final thought was before I did research, I go, you know, I think this is just shot in a bunch of places. Then finding out it was all in one location, which good job. That's impressive to actually get enough set pieces in one city for a movie like this. Bravo. Yeah, I was like, 
Also, so I, I thought like the if it wasn't going to be actual Detroit, like I thought maybe L.A. and just like the back lot and uh, stages and things like that. Uh, because just because of the neon lights and the kind of the crazy sets, the, you know, the arcade and all the different brightly lit locations and stuff that they have. I thought like, oh, maybe it's just like a set soundstage kind of a thing. But they they really did a good job with, you know, turning Houston into that because it. It, it was. It seemed like this fantastical kind of neon-soaked, bloody world. <laughs> Fun to look at, though. So whoever did the production, you know, all the sets, production design, layouts, good job. I was really thoroughly impressed. I think that's one of the big things I appreciated as an adult. Cinematography, direction, production design, art design. The look of this movie is incredible. Like, it looks... Like a million bucks. The Screen Factory restoration that just recently came out also looks out of this world too. Like they did a 2K restoration of it and it looks the colors pop and everything like that. But it's just a good it's just a good looking movie, whether you're watching it on VHS or Blu-ray or whatever. It's just when you get Irvin Kirshner to come in and direct, you're gonna get something that looks pretty good. Well, I guess we'll transition to talking about him. Uh, I I always forget he directs this. I feel like he thinks would have thought that too if he was still with us. I think uh, this is one of those movies that I think a lot of the people involved in it were sort of embarrassed by, didn't like, or whatever. Until recently, also, like I feel like the people involved in the movie didn't appreciate it until later because uh, it just didn't. It didn't seem like you know. A, fit, a normal fit for Irvin Kirshner. He hadn't directed anything in like 10 years or something like that. And he was doing like TV movies and he, this is Mr. Empire Strikes Back. So him doing this was kind of weird. And I think he didn't really necessarily want to be there. Uh, this is all just speculative or whatever, but like it just, it seemed like he didn't want to be there and it was kind of below him. But uh, I think a lot of the people now that worked on it really did appreciate that they kind of got to do that and kind of got to work with him too. He's, I mean, he's empire strikes back. How could you not want to work with him? (laughs) Yeah. I've always wanted to hear him talk more like uh, an entire documentary. I wish would have been made on him before he died just to hear his perspective on everything he had done throughout his career. Cause he's such a fascinating director, you know, from James Bond to empire strikes back to RoboCop Two to directing TV movies. I don't know how that happened. I do not know how this man did not rise to ridiculous status after Empire Strikes Back, but then I have to remember that it wasn't really thought of as a iconic movie when it came out. Weren't there a lot of... I think at the time, there were a lot of people that were like, eh, it's not as good as the first. Or just were like, it's another Star Wars. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's the second Star Wars. But like now it's gone down to become like... The Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible how much that's changed. It's like Thing, like years after it and probably home video releases and everything. It became, I mean, Empire Strikes Back was a massive hit. I'm not, you know, it like made $500 million at the time period. It was a massive hit. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I can't believe he didn't go higher, you know, getting all these different films. I really don't know much about his life, so I don't know if he was hard to work with, if people didn't like him or they just thought, you know, like he was a puppet for George Lucas. I just, I don't know. All of this is a mystery to me. 
Yeah, and even even more of a mystery. How did how did he get here? You know, how did he get to making this movie? And I I kind of know a little bit of like the the history of how the movie came together or whatever, but I don't. I still don't know how they landed on him when they you know needed a director, kind of in a pinch. I have the RoboCop three Scream Factory, but did Scream Factory do two? Yes, there is a two. I am shocked that I don't own that for the sheer fact of curiosity of what they've got on it, because I, there's a ton of stuff out on this film, but a lot of it I already knew. I feel like there's a lot more to be told that I'm just not seeing. Well, I yesterday I dug in. And I watched like almost all the bonus. Well, no, I did watch all the bonus features. And it's there's about two hours of stuff on there. My so I, do re- I recommend it. It's it's good. I can when we get into the behind the scenes, I can kind of mention what some of the stuff they talk about in there is. But there's like I said, there's about two hours of stuff, but it doesn't quite cover everything. There's mm-hmm. still there's so there's still a lot of mystery uh, in my brain of how this thing just ultimately did come together. I was going to say, they just kind of talk about the haphazard nature of which like it almost got started and then didn't. And then they kind of talk about kind of the chaos on set with the script and the, the writer's guild strike and everything like that that was happening at the time. But how it actually happened and how it actually like came to be the way it is, it's kind of a mystery. I forgot about the strike. Yeah, this took place during it. And that's how we have somebody else we can mention behind the scenes. Uh, that's how we have Frank Miller writing the script for this because they couldn't get a screenwriter. So they got a comic book writer to do it. Yeah, because I see credited Wallen Green and Frank Miller. And I was just wondering what parts of it is Frank Miller, what parts of it is Wallen Green. Well, this is one of the other mysteries. I watched all the bonus features and there's not a single mention of Walton Green and every picture from the set has Frank Miller in it. And there's pictures of him writing pages like on the day there on set as they're making the movie. But I I have no idea who Walton Green is and what the contribution was because everybody's just talking about Frank Miller and these bonuses. So it's very, again, another mystery. Who is this person? When did they do any writing for the movie? Because it seems like Miller was on set the whole time and Miller's original draft is the one they used. So when did this guy come in? When did he get involved? It's a good question. Uh, I guess, you know, we'll have to wait for a while to find out or maybe we never will. I don't know. Yeah, One of of those mysteries. I just I feel like in general. So I watch a lot of these bonus feature things. I always watch any bonus features that come on the Scream Factory discs and stuff like that. I watch all of them. Scream Factory does this thing where they always look back nostalgically on stuff and they talk to tons of people on it. But I feel like they they kind of miss out on the meat and the potatoes sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's occasionally where I think it's too much of a positive spin on now and I don't know if they're doing it because they just want to stay away from the negativity or maybe the people who come on don't want to talk about that I don't know I've seen it some of it some people will go after it and other ones it just feels like oh we're blissfully looking back what we were we even mentioned it I think when we were talking about the Amityville movies because I remember watching all the bonus features on Amityville the possession and you'd think that everything was sunshine and rainbows making that movie. 
And we know from talking about it that it wasn't. <laughs> no, because Fangoria, at least Fangoria in one of the articles, like, tore into it. And then in another article, you know, they had a where one actress remembered how wonderful it was. And she's like, uh, so that's what gets me is like, is this like they're just taking all this footage and they're like, OK, well, we've got to go with this direction because we don't want to force it into how we feel. Let's just show what they say. Yeah, is it like a conscious choice to be like yeah. nice and to be like, here, you love this movie, you bought this Blu-ray, let's talk fondly about this thing you love. And mm-hmm. sometimes when I get these things, I'm like, no, I want to know what went wrong. I want to know what people don't like about this movie, you know, like, to, like let's get into it. Um, but that's not really too much of a dig on the Scream Factory stuff. I appreciate all the work they put into all these bonus features all the time. Just, to, just this thing I've noticed as we've kind of... And we talk about behind the scenes of movies and stuff all the time. And I always watch these bonuses. It's just something I've noticed with Scream in particular, but I'm not dogging on them too much. So, yeah, I think we're being more curious than judgmental. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Walt Whitman. (laughs) It's a great quote. Uh, Let me grab this VHS so we can describe it. All right. If we're walking down the video store and we see this, it's about the most simple cover you could ever do for RoboCop. It's RoboCop looking, I mean, it is like a close-up of his face. Not an extreme close-up, but pretty close. And then you see the reflection of RoboCop 2 coming at him. Yeah, this is a classic. Well, actually, it's funny. I feel like the second movie did have super simple promos. I remember the poster of RoboCop kind of coming over the brick wall and it's like animated. It looks almost like a comic book. And then there's the poster that I love that I I flipped my Blu-ray cover to have uh, the him coming through the gray wall like the Kool-Aid man. And then and then this one with the reflection. These are the three kind of poster. Very simple for RoboCop too. Very just like RoboCop's your star. This is what we know you came for. So here he is. <laughs> yeah. I also wonder, I can't remember if it was this one or number three that had horrendous test screenings. That might be number three. You and I both will be able to find out more on three because we both have the Blu-ray for Screen Factory. Mm-hmm. Least, yeah. So you'll be more like guiding me with your knowledge. And the third one, we'll just be spouting shit the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's got, you know, RoboCop 2 in a little bit different font, but very close, very similar to the first one. It just says her Orion home video, basic slipcover. It's it's very simple. It's enough. If I didn't see this in the theater and my parents would have let us rent it when we were little, we would have totally picked this up. It's like it didn't matter. It's just like RoboCop 2 done. It's exactly. kind of like Predator 2. When we found out that one existed, it's like, of course, we're going to rent it. Exactly. You don't. It's a, it's a second RoboCop movie. You don't need to do much to get kids or people that are interested in getting to see it. Putting a uh, reflection of a crazy, uh, all kinds of joints and stuff robot uh, in his thing only makes us want to see it more. Probably be like, oh, there's another one in there. <laughs> there's another robot in there. Of course, I want to see it. Yeah. Hopefully, it wasn't too subtle, and we wouldn't have noticed as a kid. Probably yeah, because we just would have picked it up and said, I don't care. Done. <laughs> RoboCop. I'm in. <laughs> At least RoboCop 2 was smart enough to do that, to put RoboCop on the front. Predator 2, 
I, during the discussion on that film, I'm pretty sure I brought up that like we had no idea it existed and we couldn't even tell from this cover. It was a shock when we found it. It wasn't even a new release when we found it. That's how much it just like went underneath our noses. This one, they put them on the front. That's what people want. Yeah, give the people what they want. They want RoboCop and Robot Carnage. So, <laughs> well, they got Robot Carnage. That's for sure. Uh, let's look at the description here. Very, this is very well done, Orion. I'm going to tell you this. This is a blue background with white text. Easy to read. Uh, short description. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. Giving the people what they want. Every picture that they show of the the movie in this has either well three of them have robocop in it and one of them has robocop 2 being shot good (laughs) done yeah that's what we want you did it that's probably why this did okay on video it probably would have done better if the movie was better but i'm pretty sure a lot of parents were like i'm not renting this for my children (laughs) it's insanely violent yeah, again, this one just it, feel, it feels like it's like kind of weirdly marketed towards kids or something. You know, there's a, there's something about it that feels very comic booky. And I'm not even talking about like the Frank Miller influence. I'm just I'm talking like four kids. It feels very comic, very colorful. Robocop's blue now. You know, it feels like a, the Saturday morning cartoon version, except when you actually watch the movie, it's Carnage Candy. I like that. Carnage candy. All right. Metal carnage candy. <laughs> Metal carnage candy. <laughs> yeah. The sizzling sequel to 1987 sci-fi blockbuster brings back the future of law enforcement. Robocop to face his greatest challenge ever. Peter Weller returns as the half man, half machine police officer. This time to rid the lawless streets of Detroit of the deadly new designer drug Nuke. Unknown to Robocop, the evil corporate empire which created him wants to take the city private and develop Robocop 2, a newer, bigger, and more powerful version to replace the original. That is one thing in this movie, by the way, good description, fast, got it. Um, We know what it's about and we're ready to go. I find this fascinating because OCPs, what they're doing here doesn't make sense to me. They... They want to make another RoboCop, so I get that. But why? Uh, in the first one, they wanted to make a bunch of Ed 209s to sell to the military. I understand their motivation. Why are they making another RoboCop? I, I, I think, I think it's because the cops are on strike and they want to make a force of RoboCops. That's not clear to me at all because we don't have like an evil, sinister, you know, businessman reminding us you don't have to completely spell it out but you have to at least give this over our like why are we doing this if they had said like we need a a, we need a fleet of these naturally you wouldn't wait for all these dead cops and whatever it doesn't make any sense it would take forever yeah and and i the movie does mention the thing about the dead cops and like they've you know why (sighs) yeah exactly it would take forever why are they doing it that way None of them are going to be as subservient as Murphy was. They're all too hyper masculine and stuff like that. Or like, you know, too much of brutes to even function as that or whatever. They make mentions of those things. But yeah, I don't think they ever explicitly say 
the cops are on strike. We're going to own the city. We need a fleet of these things. I don't think it's completely clear. And that's just one of those things I think that's lost in kind of the haphazard nature of the script of this movie. Yeah, I felt like the first one was so much simpler to follow. It's, you know, they created the RoboCop. Uh, they're interested in all the robotic technology, but Ed 209 is going to be the one that's going to make them a lot of money with military contracts and all this stuff. This one, you kind of have the evil corporation wanting to take over Detroit. Then we have a nuke plot line that, you know, mixes in to the main OCP, you know, evil corporation taking over the city. But there's just so much going on and you really just don't pay attention much to RoboCop one, I guess you could say the mm-hmm. original it. It's all over the place. This is definitely like the worst version of what you do with adding more and more stuff to a script like Batman Returns, I believe somehow pulled it off. But some people disagree with me, and I understand. You're wrong. That movie's amazing. <laughs> They're wrong. Uh, that movie's awesome. <laughs> but I get it, like the sequelitis where you just build this up. You're you're doing more and more and more. And sometimes it's just like, it, maybe just make a good story instead of like jamming it full of more shit. Yeah, there's so many threads in this one that don't really go anywhere. Like we like we were talking about for a long time, Duffy. That whole story of like the corrupt cop, they kill him. You know, it's. 40 minutes in or whatever. So we never kind of get the, you know, cops selling out the cops storyline that it seems like it's going to go in for a minute. He's just taken out. And then like, we've get like the uh, section where RoboCop turns super PSA Reaganite <laughs> kind of uh, <laughs> over the top good guy uh, thing. But then that's dropped, you know, he electrocutes himself and then that's, that's done. There's the thread of the wife, it, like a whole the whole beginning of the movie is like him recovering the memories him struggling with whether he's Murphy or Robocop they they get the wife even in there and they have that conversation she leaves that's done you know like it's so many of these dangling little threads that they could have taken the movie on and just stuck with one of those things but they just crammed it all in there in like the first 40 minutes and then never really finish any of those stories satisfyingly yeah it is there's a lot of threads here and the wife one is just the most useless like at least Duffy at least Duffy makes it 40 minutes into the film or whatever that one makes like what 25 it feels like it's just like the whole beginning but then it never comes back it never pays off uh, but they, they focus on it so heavily in the beginning I don't know stuff like this would be stuff that this is a two hour movie and you feel it this would be stuff that I would cut because yeah. it doesn't go anywhere like Duffy at least is in it and I like Stephen Lee, so keep him in there. Um, but uh, I would cut like the wife storyline, and I would cut the the super good RoboCop thing. It's not funny enough to kind of like last. So I would just take both of those things out. You probably would have a ninety minute movie then, and I probably would enjoy this a little more. Yeah, and how about you concentrate on one of our favorite characters, Officer Lewis, like Nancy Allen's just a, a, an afterthought in this film sometimes. And I don't get it. She was one of the most popular characters from the first film. Just gone. Basically. I mean, she's not gone. She's in a decent amount of this film, but I, you, she's an afterthought. She basically just gets to stand there and say Murphy or Hey, or stop. You know, <laughs> like she doesn't really get to do anything meaty she doesn't get to do anything like she did in the first movie and i i think they should have explored sort of the 
continuing partner relationship. Clearly, they work really well as police partners. I would have liked to have seen, you know, the bad boys <laughs> with these two, you know, like a bad boys kind of story with these two. Like, what what are they like on the day to day as established? They like each other. They're partners. What does that look like beyond just, you know, her shouting Murphy every time there's a bad guy behind him? <laughs> no kidding. So let's put this tape in. Let's talk about these trailers. Now available on video and DVD. All right, it's a few trailers and everything, but we definitely got a fun PSA. Uh, Mermaids is the first one from 1990. My mom loved this. The Shoop Shoop song, and uh, I remember that music video with the three of them, the three girls in it. Um, Yeah, I never saw this movie. Never saw this one. I don't know if I've seen it from minute one to the end, but I might appreciate it quite a bit now. I bet, yeah, I bet I'd like it. Um, I, I remember seeing this trailer though on the tape because I, I had this tape, uh, the same one that you had, except mine was EP garbage, but I had the same tape that you had. So, uh, the only thing I didn't have on my tape was, uh, the PSA, but I've seen that at your house. So let's talk about that weird thing. <laughs> What's bugging you, Murphy? Drugs. Drugs bug me. Hi, that was Nancy Allen and me. I'm Peter Weller, the guy behind that mask. If you're a kid, please listen for a second. How do you keep away from drugs? They're everywhere, sometimes even at home. But there is one place you can go that is 100% drug-free. No pot, no pills, no crack, no smack, no coke, no exceptions. The Boys and Girls Club. It beats the streets. No kidding. Yeah, I don't know if this was a Peter Weller thing and he was in the Boys and Girls Club. I don't know if he made this happen or like, you know, I won't do this movie unless this... Sometimes, you know, who knows? Uh, Maybe Orion worked with the Boys and Girls Club. I don't know, but it was fun to watch. Some kind of community outreach thing. Yeah, uh, what a weird, it's just a weird PSA because it's like you get RoboCop kind of in character, but then you get Peter Weller in person referencing, hi, I'm Peter Weller, and that was me as RoboCop. (laughs) And you get me for an hour. Let's get this done. <laughs> this could also be that it was so violent and they were so worried. They're like, okay, let's make this like an anti-drug film. But again, you bring up boys and girls. You know, I know it's a boys and girls club of America, but children should not be watching this film. And this feels like you're talking straight to children. This had to have just, been, I, I didn't, so I didn't see this in theaters like you did, but this had to have been pushed the same way, like demolition man was with like its toy line and uh rambo ended up being pushed kind of a little for kids when it looked like the animated series uh, terminator 2 was absolutely just advertised to kids this has to be like lumped in with those for sure i remember robocop toys i don't know if there were robocop 2 toys at all it's a blank spot were there i uh the toys uh, that I can picture in my head. I don't know if there were necessarily RoboCop two toys, but the toys that 
I can picture like my RoboCop toy that I I had in the 90s was blue like this. And I absolutely had a or had seen, I don't know if I had or had seen a RoboCop one where the cut is in the the lens like it is in the movie where the when the blade comes down and cuts his like mask in half and with that like almost like lightning bolt design, there was a toy of that. But I don't know if it was RoboCop 2 specific or just kind of a general RoboCop line. Hmm. I don't remember them at all, so that's interesting. Maybe they just put out more RoboCop stuff and just avoided talking about the film. They're like, the new RoboCop line, and it's really just like regurgitating the first movie. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was something featured in in that animated series, because there was the RoboCop animated series as well. Yeah, that's so interesting Uh, how they did this to kids and everything. Whew, man. But, you know, we had the backlash of the 90s, so uh, that sucked. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's RoboCop 2 I mean these are the, this is probably one of the most powerful films when it came to that because I mean we had Rambo Rambo was insanely violent but there was something cartoonish about it this one's attempting at times to be cartoonish but it's way too violent to be cartoonish it's also real you know we, we had seen sort of the Rodney King thing around this time and the news cycles, the 24 hour news cycles, a lot of violence on TV, just in general, like, you know, from real life, this almost feels too real. I feel like for kids to enjoy, it's too present in the nineties for kids to get behind. Well, I can see parents, you know, you have 1990 of RoboCop two somewhere around there, predator two and in 91, you have Terminator two kids are looking up to this shit and it's violent as hell i mean we loved him most kids loved him but yeah there were some parents like jesus they are running around with plastic guns pretending to kill each other (laughs) right or blow each other up or uh cut open the uh the cop that uh squealed you know (laughs) Uh, yeah, I remember getting in trouble as a kid because we were like, what do you my mom was like, what are you guys doing? He's just like, oh, uh, Andrew got uh, I forgot what he did, but he played a game and he lost. So it's like, we're going to remove his arm. And she's like, what? It's like, oh, dude, <laughs> yeah, mom, he's got to be punished. You know, like so we just tied his arm behind his back. It, like it's some stupid game that we'd play as, you know, three boys. And uh, that was probably one thing where my mom's like, oh, great. So now my children are playing severed limb games. Wonderful. Like, don't worry, mom. We used to throw rocks at each other. We get a lot dumber. (laughs) Uh, The the last one here is Navy SEALs. We, I mean, when we did Santa Slay, we talked about a Navy SEALs sequel. And this is, Navy SEALs is such a blank spot in my mind. I've never seen it. Me either. I've seen I've seen this trailer, but that's about as far as it's gone. I've never seen the movie. Never really had much interest in seeing the movie. Everybody I've ever talked to who has seen it and likes it is like, yeah, it's fine. You know, like nobody's like really carrying the torch for it either. So I never saw it. And maybe Mm -hmm. I never will. (laughs) I might not either. Uh, I think it's been on, you know, TNT or whatever when I've gone by back in the past and I've watched a few minutes of it, but yeah, it didn't stick. I didn't really care. If I wanted Charlie Sheen acting crazy, I would just either get Young Guns or, you know, Major League. I don't, this one just didn't do it for me. Yeah, it's got a cast of like people that I like. Like you mentioned, like Charlie Sheen. And at the time, he was doing a lot of fun stuff. Michael Bean's in it. Like, I, I like the people, but I just, 
I don't know. You can't get fired up about that one. <laughs> I honestly can't remember how much of Charlie Sheen's in Top Gun. I mean, not Top Gun. I'm sorry. Um, Young Guns? I, I mean, honestly, I just go to Hot Shots part two. Oh, yeah. That's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Where he just gets ripped because he's like, well, I'm going to play this role real. Like, it's a comedy. I don't care. I'm getting freaking ripped. And he looks insane in that movie. It's so funny. He he has the best deadpan in that movie. <laughs> He's got the best, just no reaction. Uh, I love that movie. The chicken. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I love it. That and UHF. Like those yep. are those those two type of movies that I love so much. And now our feature presentation. All right. Starting off this film, getting into it. I'm just going to go through some popular scenes. You know, I, I always love the media breaks, but we talked about that in the first one and what that meant. And same thing with, you know, total recall of how they did this. This just feels like they're regurgitating it from the first one. I get it. I think. They're done much better in RoboCop and Total Recall. Well, Total Recall doesn't have the media breaks, but you know what I mean? That kind of like news footage. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I, I did love how this starts off with the Magnavolt commercial. Magnavolt, the final word in auto security. No embarrassing alarm noise. No need to trouble the police. And it won't even run down your battery. Magnavolt. Lethal response. Yeah, uh, the guy gets electrocuted and we get uh, John Glover, who is like one of my favorite character actors in, in this uh, opening scene. So very fun. Yes. I mean, every time I see him, I want to watch Gremlins 2. <laughs> God, he's so good. Yeah, the uh, the media breaks in this one, I actually really like. I don't think they're better than the first one or anything like that, but I really, really like them. And I like that the movie starts with them, like this movie starts with them again, because watching it now, again, I haven't seen this in like 10, 12 years, watching it now, how fucking timely this uh, opening scene of the different, you know, when it breaks into the news and the commercials and stuff like that. Uh, God, it feels like more relevant today in 2021 than probably it did in 1990. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I think part of it is why I just skip over it. It's not as impactful as the first one. It's because it literally looks like real news today. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas like the first one is so over the top and spoofy. And obviously it is calling like a lot of like the 80s Reagan-y, they live-y kind of things that's going on in the 80s. Uh, that's what RoboCop 1 is doing. This one, yeah, it feels more timely today than it, than it, than it does feel like it's talking about 1990. I think one of the media breaks, you know, you have a guy like bleeding and there's a dead body being dragged off or something. Uh, I can't quite remember, but since in real life we just had a bunch of morons, you know, charge the Capitol building in that I was in the middle of work in the middle of a meeting and I'm getting updates on my phone. I turn on the TV with no sound. I look at this. It's madness. This felt the exact same way. And in the media coverage, 
at some point in the day, I'm looking at a woman being put into the ambulance bleeding who ends up dying. It literally is mocking it in 1990. We are watching it in real life now. Yeah. And this is terrifying. This is what we're watching. We're watching something that they mocked in the 90s. Yes. Well, I mean, late 80s. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's scary. Like how violence is now just like, oh, okay. All right. I can watch a cop get crushed by a bunch of protesters or a woman being dragged out of this bleeding. Who You could just look at her face and look. She was dead. She was still alive, but she was dead. This is life. This is like fucking something that we mocked in 1990. It's life now. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's real. Yeah, just like when they did the thing in in the movie where they're in the first media thing when they're in the newsroom and they're like, oh, a violent protest sparked, you know, this and somebody died. It was brought on by the environmentalists or whatever. And then it cuts to the woman and she just goes, isn't it always, you know, and it's just the way like that sarcasm is delivered and stuff like that. It just feels like they're talking about like what's happening this week, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, where they're like, a oh, the, you know, bunch of Trumpers stormed the Capitol or whatever, and you almost just want to cut to somebody being like, "Isn't it always them that's the problem?" <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some type of coverage where someone's just like, "Wow, Betty, that's amazing! Well, I can't believe they did that." Anyway, <laughs> wacky, right? The weather today—it's a—it's a bliss. You know, like what the fuck is going on and uh, all right yeah i can i can imagine a, like a fox news exactly being like that where it's like oh antifa did this and then the other newscaster is like isn't it always back to today here's about a koala you know yeah. like, <laughs> it's insane it's like oh my god we they, they were right robocop 2 was right about everything <laughs> i know and there was a point in it where i couldn't watch this movie to escape anymore because i just like uh all right this fucking media break just came on i'm this is pretty much what comes on my phone like yeah, it's like this is what I've been looking at all week. Yeah. <laughs> now it's not helping me escape anymore. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, going more into this, you know, the it's a fun first appearance of RoboCop, but you do notice he looks different. Blue, chromy, you know, a little more cartoony. I like it. I like. I don't think I. I'm not apples and oranges. I'm not going to compare, but like, I like the blue. I think it's cool looking. I actually think it's more of what people think about when they think about RoboCop and I don't know why. Yeah, this is like one of those fascinating things about like franchising where it's like so much stuff we remember about like Ghostbusters happens in like Ghostbusters too. You know, like so the the look of RoboCop, maybe we kind of picture him as this, this blue chrome thing. And it's like, this is from the second movie. You know, so many of these things uh, from this this period, the franchise is all kind of merge together you know what i mean like like mm -hmm. like like with ghostbusters so many things we remember about ghostbusters might be from the second movie or the cartoon <laughs> and I, I don't know how this happened but oh yeah i mean like my thoughts on slimer is almost 100 percent from the cartoon exactly and yeah when you picture or draw robocop and he's blue it's actually from this movie mm -hmm. yeah and then when you look at like the evil old man of ocp he was definitely a lot different in the first one. In this one, they make him 
uh, more of a main character. I understand that, but he's he becomes pure evil. In the first one, I don't remember. He was just, you know, like a greedy businessman who's, you know, just trying to get as much money out of this, you know, RoboCop program or Ed 209. And, and you know, we had other dirty, nasty business corporation men doing all this. This one, he's actively a part of it. And his right-hand man also seems kind of like good, but also like, complicit in the evil I, I i don't know it just felt wrong it didn't feel like it was quite it needed another pass on the script it did because i i like it i like the idea of like yeah the old man he's just the greedy greasy evil corporation you know bad guy now it makes sense to have that be the kind of the evolution of the character but they don't deliver enough on it and especially, yeah, like the other the other uh, guy from the first one that is his right hand. I forget his name, but uh, he he doesn't have anything to do in the movie. But I like the idea that he is sort of like a good guy, but he's complicit in the bad stuff. It's like I like the idea and I like where we're going with it. But I just don't think they explore it enough to push it over, you know, where it's more memorable. Yeah. And then looking at the other bad guys in this you know we have the evil therapist who's trying you know i don't understand what the hell her motivation is why she i guess she just wants to rise to the top but why is a therapist wanting to rise to the top of a corporation that's what i was always confused about it seems like they're trying to have her be like kind of the Miguel Ferrer kind of character because of like the way she kind of goes directly to the old man with her idea and stuff like that. And she kind of smiles when he's into it, you know, like she is kind of the same cut from the same cloth as that character. But they don't, exp- again, explore it enough for me to kind of fully get that like I do when I see Miguel Ferrer, you know, doing a bunch of coke with the hookers in his penthouse when it gets blown up, you know, <laughs> like I'm not, I don't know enough about her to have her fully become that stand in for that character for me. No, I mean, Miguel Ferrer's motivation for his character was obvious. He wants power and money so he can buy cocaine and and, you know, just like fucking live this rock star life while also working at a corporation. You know, he's a shark. He's trying to get to the top. Easy. That I mean, we've seen it a hundred times. It's nothing original, but I understood it. In this one, she just pops up and she's like, "Well, uh, I've got an idea. Why? What? Why are you trying to get to the top?" Exactly. Yeah. There's there's no beyond that. You know, it never goes beyond the surface of that. I do like the fact. Again, it's like there's so much stuff I like, though. There really is. Uh, but I like the fact that like it suggested that after she pitches this idea, they're like sleeping together, her and the old man. I think that's a nice greasy addition to it. But uh, again, it's not fully explored. So, yeah, she's desperately trying to get to the top, even probably sleeping with him. I mean, it kind of seems obvious that she is, but they don't really spell it out for you. But why is she trying to get to the top? <laughs> exactly. So I, I just think maybe that was cut off the script before they shot it. Maybe it was shot and they cut it. Who knows? It's just not very well thought out or maybe it just needed another pass. But I'm sure with the writer's strike, that's what fucked all this up. 
going into the other side of the bad guys, you have the nuke organization run by Kane. And I think they're trying to make parallels between the evil corporation and the drug lords. But you never get it. Like, they never flesh it out. You're just, it's kind of just dangling on a string and then kind of disappears once he becomes RoboCop 2. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, there is the suggestion, like you said, of the parallels. But it's never fully explored. And in turn, what it just kind of is presenting, instead of, like, this comparison of, like, these big companies are just like the evil drug lords, what it's painting then instead is just this really bleak, negative, pessimistic look at society just in general. Because they're not making a direct comparison between the two. It's just like, look at how shitty this is. Look at how shitty this is. Look at how shitty this is. Oh, there's a kid involved and he swears and he kills people. You know, it's just like, just such a downer view of society, which I like. I like that it's presenting it like that. But like, it it is only showing, it is only feeling so negative and so pessimistic because there isn't like a, a, a finer tuned kind of parallels that they're trying to draw. But instead, they're just saying, look how fucked up everything is. (laughs) Yeah, and I think this is just the difference of having Paul Verhoeven and his team and him having a vision of the first one and this one just kind of being like hired gun. You know, like, hey, let's get Irvin Kirshner. Frank Miller needs to write this because we can't get a real script writer. You know, let's let's take this comic guy. And now Frank Miller is a hell of a writer. So don't take that the wrong way. It's just clearly... Maybe it was his fault. Maybe it wasn't. We don't know. Maybe Screen Factory's documentaries give us more on that. I'll let Matt describe it. But this this script's just all over the place. Yeah, it is. It totally is. And it is because they had to make it so fast. And yeah, had to get somebody who hadn't written a screenplay before. I do think some of this pessimism and negativity is very Frank Miller though. Like yes, look at Sim City and sort of the cityscapes there and sort of like this old timey, we've always been shitty kind of view that I think that is very Frank Miller. But yeah, again, because there wasn't enough time to do another pass in the script, I just don't think it's fine tuned. Yeah, and I think you have to have some, t- you don't have to, but I feel in a Robocop movie, you should have this upbeat look at the world can change even though it's shitty uh the first one felt like that you know he won uh he he had he was getting his humanity back even though he was in this giant robot suit you know it it was no longer just a robot you know it was murphy this movie first of all the humanity of murphy just kind of seems like a oh yeah we've got to put that in there because it's robocop remember guys this is robocop Uh, Even though it clearly seems like Frank Miller or whomever is more interested in Nuke and the dystopian city with the evil corporation and RoboCop 2. RoboCop almost feels like a side character in his own film. It's weird. Yeah, it is like the like you mentioned Batman Returns thing. It's almost like the villains get more featured than the main. Um, And then and then, yeah, they just don't, don't know what to do with RoboCop because it's like. The beginning, that first 20 minutes, is back to dealing with is he man or is he machine? And then we drop that plot. And then it's and then it's like it, Robocop is just a just Robocop now. He's not he's not really Murphy. And then it's like, oh, we could just reprogram him, and then they reprogram him, and then he deprograms himself, and then he's kind of nothing. And it's like, uh, 
I wish I feel like three ex- even explores this better or, or sort of I feel like three kind of picks up where one left off. And this is the random spinoff offshoot. <laughs> I love how you're like the only person I know on the RoboCop three island. You're like, hey, guys, it's it's got I like it. And everyone else is like, no, I'll take the next ship. I'm going to go past this island. <laughs> At some point, we will discuss it yes. and I will present some arguments for it and if i can convince a couple other people because i'll fucking die on that hill i love that movie so not as much as the first one but i will i'll defend that one to my death so i would love to do an episode on it i'll, I'll bring notes i'll uh <laughs> i'll come with essays <laughs> no you and i will be the odd couple like in the ship going towards that island to watch it and i'll be like the disgruntled one looking down like just reading whatever i can to take my thoughts off of I'm going to the RoboCop 3 island and you're like beside me going, okay, this is going to be great. I know you think it's going to be bad and like just hitting me with all this positivity and I'll be like, mm, sure, okay. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, the one thing I do like in this film and I brought it up with the Magnavolt commercial, all these commercials, the OCP communications commercial where the guy shoots himself on a commercial that was nuts. And then, of course, the Sunblock 5000. I do like these. And I like how they're cut throughout the film. It feels very Verhoeven with, you know, Starship Troopers, where you get these, like, they cut to the... They don't do commercials, but they do, like, you know, fascist uh, commercials in a way. I don't know what you'd call them. Recruitment videos or whatever. <laughs> the recruitment fascist videos. This one just feels like chaos with the commercials like you know how it would be in this world i don't think our commercials are anywhere near as crazy as these so they didn't get quite that fun but you know we're we're working at this from a fucked up perspective the frank miller perspective so (laughs) exactly uh but i think that the the work one where the guy shoots himself is very of today i think it's of the 80s as well like the yuppie kind of culture work in the office, yeah. stay late at the office. It's part of the thing. But I think it's also relevant today because how many people are like literally or or before uh, COVID hit, how many people were just like working themselves to death just to get by, you know, and work was everything. So it does it even though it's different from the time period where it was presented, it still feels relevant. Yeah, see, I, I have a total different view. I, I feel like work balance is now preached louder and more than ever. Uh, people are constantly talking about it uh, where, you know, don't do this. Don't work yourself to death. You know, enjoy your retirement, you know, stuff like that. I, I don't know. I just have a different perspective on it because I feel like we are no longer part of that. Some people are. Some people are just insanely motivated to do that. But it seems more and more now, like I hear the preaching of like, don't live to work, work to live. See, I've I'm just like in my sphere, I've heard that more. That's why I said pre-COVID. I've heard that more now. I've heard that more now that we have slowed down. Now that a lot of people are working from home. But I knew people, man, that were just so fucking burnt out before this happened. They were almost like, thank God this happened. <laughs> like, so I don't know. Yeah. Different, different. I guess it depends on where you work or what you're doing. But it did, did seem to me sort of relevant to pre-COVID work style. Yeah, I guess it just depends what circles you're hanging out in. I don't know. where you're working. (laughs) So uh, I'll talk about the little kid, Hob. Um, Interesting choice here. Clearly a marketing to the kids. But, you know, this edgy, like way too far 
edgy kid. Uh, this is like Bart Simpson mixed with Rambo. This is nuts. Yeah, it's Bart Simpson with an Uzi. Like he is just he's he's still a '90s kid for sure, attitude, everything like that. But uh, but he's a murderer and he's crazy. Very yeah, this feels very Frank Millery too. Just like very upsetting. <laughs> very like uh, what what port what painting of society are we making that like kids just freely act like this? And one of the things I think sells it really well is I think this kid gives a really good performance. No, he's fantastic. I, you know, sounds like this kid got tired of acting or just wasn't making it and quit. But yeah, he's he's fantastic in this. What a what a little actor. He sells the shit out of it because sometimes when you have like kids that are bad guys, they'll over oversell it. Mm -hmm. This kid feels like he is this. And I'm like, ooh, this creepy performance. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get what they're trying to do when he has the youth baseball team he's talking to and. OCP reprograms him to be useless. Like, we need you to be nicer. Hey, would it, you know, kill you to say some positive things every once in a while? You know, that kind of shit. And then we watch him actually be emotionally affected with Hob. I don't think it works in the movie at all. I had no emotional connection to Hob. I was like, oh, he's dead. Okay. I'm cold. You are going into shock. I will call for a medical emergency unit. Wait, no. Don't leave me. I won't leave you. Who did this? It was big. Bigger than you. It was Cain. I'm gonna die. You know what that's like, don't you? really sucks yeah the the way they kind of try to parallel the kid to murphy's kid which they only kind of just brush over at the very beginning it doesn't land yeah it doesn't i and i think this kid you know it's fucked up as this sentence is gonna sound but like i think that kid deserved to die because he was so (laughs) evil he was i mean like he was he was never gonna change you know he's killing cops you know he's a bad guy (laughs) no i just want to cut your audio there that kid (laughs) kid deserved deserved to die die. (laughs) that kid deserved to die just every time (laughs) oh if i had a soundboard (laughs) that one would be on there mark it put a star no regrets. I <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Kid's a bad kid. Blow anyone away. It was nuts. He's crazy. I mean, when they rip apart RoboCop, it was funny. He's like, I want to see his brain. Like, this kid's fucked up. Obviously, Kane has made it. I, and I don't get the relationship between Kane and this kid. I, what, where did this kid come from? And, you know, like I understood his, the woman that was with them who's just a junkie and she desperately needs nuke. I understood that. I have no idea. This kid makes no sense to me. Was it would, did these two know the, I don't know, whatever Hobbs, I'm just going to call her big sister. Cause I was like, are they two like kids that were in an orphanage? And then Kane took them in. To, what is going on? I did get that vibe. I wonder if that is sort of the subtext or whatever there, because I also got that. I was like, did they kind of come in together She's just a little older than him, you know, because uh, she seems pretty young, too. Like, yeah, I totally got that vibe the way they uh, hang out together or whatever. But, yeah, I think this kid 
the his motivation. I think this is this is how he plays. You know, he's a he's a twelve year old boy or whatever. It's like instead of playing with toy soldiers, he's shooting up people. <laughs> like, but I think this is just how he has fun, which is super fucked up. Yeah, I bet Tim Burton watches and he goes, "You know what I'm gonna do with my uh, bad guys? I'm gonna give them motivation and backstory." Because <laughs> RoboCop two just said, "Fuck it." They nothing. I don't know why Kane is doing this other than power. I guess he was the inventor of this. Sure. Uh, I have no idea why the therapist is doing it. I have no idea why Hob and his the junkie sister. That's what I'm just going to call her. I don't know what she is to him. I don't know why they're doing it. Well, okay. I understand why she's doing it. She loves Nuke. Fair enough. You gave her a motivation. No backstory. Nothing. I mean, you don't have to give a big one, but you something. Drop a line in there. How much of that was cut? You know, how much of that was there? I, I don't. You, we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> so the, the mayor's fun. Uh, just a wisecracking, very much, I would say, Chris Tucker. I just really like this actor. Uh, I do too. W- Willard, Willard Pugh is his name, I think. Uh, I just really like him. I just, I don't know what it is about him. He's just a good actor. I don't know. I'm attra- I'm attracted to his uh, screen presence. I, I don't know. He's good. He's good as the mayor here. So you're saying we missed one payment and you can foreclose? We can and we will. We're taking Detroit private. So you deliberately undermined our credit? That was the easy part. And you engineered the police strike. You want Detroit to, to, to tear itself apart so you can raid it like you would any other corporation? Do you know how many people are dying out there? You'll murder us. I'd advise you to say nothing further. It might be actionable. It's bullshit! Bullshit, you see now, old bastard! All right, it's yeah, you know, the fast-talking, wise-cracking mayor. Yeah. Let's get to the end where they fight. I love the stop motion. It, it definitely has improved. RoboCop 2 looks much harder to animate than Ed 209. There's a lot more moving parts. Yeah, they said it was a nightmare to do. Uh, and the, I guess the designer who did it also like designed Ed 209. And he was like, I want Ed, Ed 209 with so many smooth edges and stuff like that. He was like, I want it to be like impossible to try to replicate. He's like, I want all these moving parts. I want all these jagged edges. I want all this shit sticking out. So he definitely, like RoboCop 2 looks so different from Ed 209. And I'm, I'm sure the stop motion work was so fucking hard to do, but it looks amazing. And also too, just on top of that, the effects work like RoboCop's makeup and his suit and the way his face is built into the head and stuff. The effects work in this movie top to bottom is aces. It's top, top notch. The effects are incredible in this movie. Yeah, I think that's probably the thing I appreciate the most in this is if you just look at cutouts from the film or small clips and everything, this is so good. Man, I don't want to say this, but I think the special effects in this are just they're better than the first. The movie's just bad, in my opinion. Uh, it's trash value in a way, but it's bad. I think I think the effects are better in this. They have more probably money. They had more at their disposal three years later. You know, like I just think I think the effects are great. I, and you can I think you could say that with also saying that the movie's not great. But like the effects really are a big, 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 big selling point for this one. 
Yeah, even that chase down between uh, Kane when he's still a human. Well, I guess that's actually how he gets into the hospital and then the, the therapist kills him, mm-hmm. cutting off his oxygen. But yeah, that chase is fun. You, you know, I mean, you get Robocop on a motorcycle. Awesome. That will never not be cool. Right? Robocop, motorcycle, sold. You put a cyborg on a motorcycle facing a truck, and I'm good with it anytime. <laughs> I'm good with it in Terminator. I'm good with it in Spawn. I'm good with it, you know, like I'm good with it every time it happens. <laughs> I also love the whole brain thing. Like when they show the brain with the eyeballs attached inside of the hospital or where he pulls the brain out, Robocop at the end to smash it and defeat Robocop 2 slash Kane. I mean, that was fun. I also love that Kane has a motivation of getting nuke. It makes sense. So there are positive things in this film. Yeah, I there's I, I told you there's a lot. There's a ton that I like about this movie. There's a ton that I love about this movie. It's just the overall thing. I can't say I love this movie because there's so many problems with it. But like there's a lot of stuff I really, really like is the brain thing is absolutely one of them. The scene where it's the brain and the eyes and they're holding his like hollowed out head and he can kind of see his like face and it almost he looks like a like a tiki mug or something. It's his head is haunting. It's terrifying. And the effects are great in it. Yeah. Or when RoboCop's blown apart and it's it's uh it's not Peter Weller, it's like that uh animatronic head. It looks amazing. Like there's so much cool stuff in here, but yeah. It's still a lot of problems too. Yeah. I, I did forget the testing when they're testing the Robocop two <laughs> whole program. <laughs> Love it. The one scene that is I think is way too funny is when the, the original RoboCop shoots the scientist and then they cut back over and you see him rubbing his arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. Like... <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite. I love those other RoboCops too. The one that pulls his head off and the the one that like is screaming on the inside. Yes. Those yeah. are awesome. You know, there are there's a part of me where I'm like, oh, you know, some of this could be cut. I just... At least that is always part of like just running in my head. Same thing at the end when the old man steps over the dead body and he's just like, get our best spin team. Yeah. (laughs) Or when he's like or when they're about to make the announcement about OCP is going to buy the city or whatever. And they have the giant like flag that looks like a Nazi flag behind him and stuff like that in front of the uh, the building whatever it is the ocp building uh hilarious that stuff's great <laughs> yeah i walk I, I bought a uh, ocp shirt from threadless uh, i can't wait to wear that someone's gonna notice it yeah absolutely i love 80s corporation logos <laughs> ocp what a good one though like yeah because they're not the worst but they are the worst you know <laughs> like uh They act like they're better than that. And it's so funny. All right, let's get into the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and we bring something back. It is our RoboCop slash Orion wing of the museum. Okay, buddy, I'll let you go first because I have like three I could put in here. So I feel pretty safe. I'm going to go ahead and put
put in the RoboCop design in this one. I like all the effects in this movie. I love the stop motion. I love the uh, mistake RoboCop 2s. I love so much like of the look of this movie, but RoboCop in like himself, RoboCop, his suit, so stand out in this. It feels like a comic book. If he feels like he really belongs in this world that is established in the second one, I, I, I just, I just really think the suit is cool. So I'm gonna put RoboCop in for RoboCop too. Mine is kind of like the public relations stuff in this film. I love the "Thank you for not smoking" like where he shoots around the guy's mm-hmm. head. I, I love how they're trying to sell this. Like, if we're just nice, if if RoboCop's just nice we can possibly fix this world. You know, like a bunch of people sitting at a desk trying to figure out what to do for everyone on the mean streets. It cracks me up because this shit is happening since the 80s. I mean, forever. It's just like, what can we do to save the urban streets? You know, like, oh, okay. A bunch of rich white people trying to figure out how to save the streets. Yeah, and they would would program this robot to have, you know... 300 different directives uh to yeah and then and then like like with the baseball team he ends up doing more harm than good you know it's almost like lewis when she's like murphy get your head out of your ass (laughs) reading your miranda rights to a dead man a corpse i just miss her i wish there was more of her in this film she's so damn good she's so good at delivering those snappy lines yeah she's so great as Lewis like I think she just is that she disappears in that character because I've seen Nancy Allen a ton of stuff she disappears in that role and yeah it's just such a shame to see her kind of wasted here and that's probably why she wanted out of RoboCop 3 and then we'll talk about that when we get to it uh yeah uh there's a lot like I said that I like about this movie there's a lot that I like about this movie so much but there's so many little things, nitpicky things that I don't like that I still can't say I love this movie. This to me, if I'm doing the whole like, let's rate this movie, I would give it a three out of five. And that seems really high. The only reason is because the special effects are incredible. Incredible. These people need to be OK. I'd give it a two point five. All of it is special effects. The rest, I'm just like, no. I was with you. That's how I felt like 10 years ago when I watched this last, but I'm, I'm higher now. I think with time, I re- I like this one more for whatever reason. I don't know why it struck me maybe because it felt super relevant. I don't know, but I don't know why it struck me this time. I definitely, I would have given it like a three out of five before, but I definitely would go higher now. But I, I do give, I, I mean, there's a lot of kudos, you know, just like, wow, you, you got some of this right. Good job. You know, with the whole how the media break is now, that's more of like Paul Verhoeven. So I can't give them credit for that. But the other things I can. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of artistry here. So, yeah, uh, I mean, the RoboCop 2 video game for NES is maybe better than the first. Still bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was made by Ocean. I just I always remember it. And uh, I was pissed off because. I had this, like, I had the whole game, and I have no idea where it went to this day. It just disappeared one day. That happens. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where my Spookies VHS is either, so. (laughs) That is super sad. And I I have it. It's somewhere. I don't know where it is, though. Uh, Hopefully it's in your parents' basement. 
when I when I Whatever. find it, I'll 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 see if I have your RoboCop two game somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I'll see if I ended up with it somehow. <laughs> Damn little video game gnomes stealing <laughs> and VHS gnomes. Yep, they work they work together, so it's it's only fitting that they would uh, probably be hidden in the same place. Yeah, dead media gnomes. Yes, <laughs> NES games and VHS tapes. Little bastards. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into a newer movie, sort of. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I've got one. I watched a Soul, mm-hmm. and uh, that was is good. I, you know, one thing this feels much more. I don't know if I want to say like old school Pixar. It just felt, yeah, yeah. That's I guess that's right. It just felt like old school Pixar. This incredible story you're watching. Um, do I think it's the best Pixar movie? No, but it's beautiful. The animation is, they are so good. It's, it's sick. <laughs> I mean, you just watch it and like, I don't even know how to appreciate how good this is because I'm just in awe of how good they are from the lighting and and on and on. But really what sets Pixar apart even more than their incredible ability to animate and all this is their stories and they finally got another good story. I got probably the best one in my opinion. Now I probably haven't seen every Pixar movie cause I'm kind of just getting lost. I don't pay attention to the Pixar name anymore. Like I used to, it's just another animated movie. Uh, but this one feels like the best one I've watched since up. And that's just a personal opinion. I, I've missed a lot of Pixar films. I'm sure. Yeah, I haven't seen all the Pixar's either. I'm not a huge fan of them. I I, I have problems with their their stories usually, but uh, I can't I can't agree with you that their animation is always very innovative and really good to you know really satisfying to look at. Uh, but uh, I like I said, I got problems with them. But I do I really do want to see this one. I feel like I think I'll like this one. Yeah, and another one I watched was Extraction. I love how you described it and go ahead. How do you describe extraction movies? It's, it's in the run shoot duck genre uh, of uh, action movies, the video game, the call of duty influenced, if you will, uh, action movies that have come out since the two thousands. Yeah, that's exactly what it's call of duty. That's how I described it. I like yours better run duck shoot. I think that's awesome uh, explanation for all these. Put it on in the background. Uh, It's just, these things I've seen so many times. Triple Frontier that Netflix did that put out last year. Uh, these are popular to put on Netflix and stuff. And I'm glad they're not going to the theater because I don't want that to be in my theater. Personally, I know there's some people, but that's the type of movie I want to watch in the background on Netflix because I don't really want to fully pay attention. But I, I want to see the cool stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I think what Netflix is doing right now, they're making like okay movies, but they have yeah moments that you just want to like, it's you know you could just tune out and kind of enjoy or whatever. But they're not, they're they're not like the spectaculars that are in theaters. You know what I mean? They're not they're not giving you all of that. So yeah, they're they're TV movies. They are like they are. Yeah. I know I know Netflix would never ever want to admit that, but like that's what they're making. They're making the new version of TV movies. Yeah, and they must be a really solid payday for these stars because, you know, you got Ben Affleck in Triple Frontier. We've got Ryan Reynolds in that Six Underground. You know, you've you know, you've got Chris Helmsworth here in Extraction. This must be one hell of a payday. I always wonder just how much money 
that the filmmakers make from you know selling these to netflix you have no idea i know some of the the movies get bought out like the when they play festivals or whatever and then netflix buys them i know they can spend a pretty penny on the movies but i do wonder like kind of if the filmmakers or the actors ever see any of that yeah i don't know this all this is such a mystery of how much money the yeah with the the streaming game yeah and how it's being moved around how they're making money on these things and how they're making money per clicks or what you know the mystery of netflix and uh you know counting a movie counting a movie's money making based on streams it's it's very yeah i don't know how it works yeah and i wonder if one day this is all going to be like some giant the irs is going to come after him or something it's just (laughs) it's all all been a tax front (laughs) yeah well i am wondering at least with movies that go to the box office we somewhat we get a number uh we don't know how much you know the theater gets how much the the movie distributor gets and whatever but at least we have some type of number is there any sort of download click number on any of these movies? As far as I know, if there is, it's not, you know, readily available. Yeah, they make it. They do make it hard. And I, I it's got to be it's something we, we either would never understand or it's a front <laughs> for something. I don't know. <laughs> it's all it's all Antifa. <laughs> oh, my God. Just blame them <laughs> for everything. Isn't it always? Anyway, the koalas. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching Fox News. Um, the only thing I've been watching recently is I got that Scream Factory Friday the 13th set. So I've been working my way through those. I'm on five now. So I'm watching the movies and all the bonus features on all of them. Uh, it's been fun. And once again, Scream Factory did a really good job. Yeah, I figured they would. I just didn't want to buy it because I already have them all. I upgraded. I got rid of my old ones. I just, I just, I, I wanted to see them kind of restored, and I wanted to see all the bonus features. So normally, I'm like you too. If I have it already, I'm not, I'm not much for double dipping unless I'm getting rid of it. So I had to part with the olds. I think like three, four years ago, I bought all the, all of them on Blu-ray, in this nice set. Uh, I'm pretty sure. It, I don't know who put it out. I can't remember, but it, it had so much extra stuff on it and i watched it all like four or five hours of extras or more i don't know it was insane insane amount of stuff uh i got my kick from it and then i looked at scream factory and i was like man i I love you guys but i'm passing on this one i think the only one i would and i haven't gone through it all but uh the only one i would recommend if they ever do any separates you should pick up the jason goes to hell one because they've stacked that one uh, but it does seem like for the older movies, all the features are still the exact same. So if they ever do separate releases, I do recommend the Jason Goes to Hell one. No, nah, I'm just going to steal yours. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of ton of shit on there. Ton yeah. of bonus features on that one. I'll just borrow it one day, watch it, and be like, oh, that was good. I liked it. Yeah, I guess I guess with bonus features, I never rewatch them or anything. So once you get the information, you're good. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Nope. All right, that'll end it this week. Come back next week. We're going to finish our Orion month with a scurry movie. Yeah, we're going to get spooky Orion. Not one that's talked about often, so I'm excited to talk about. More uh, more New York filming movie stuff, I guess. Yes, yeah, back, back from the uh, beginning of this Orion month. We're taking it back to New York. <laughs> All right, so remember to be kind. And rewind.